please turn in your New Testaments now to Acts chapter 15, 1, 1 through 19. Acts 15, chapter 1. And this is the Word of God. But some men came down from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers in Antioch, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up, and they said, it is necessary to circumcise the Gentiles and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon, Simon, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for His name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. And that remnant of mankind may seek the Lord And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, James said, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who have turned to God. I was 29 years old. I was a newly minted church planter. I did not know what I was doing, but there I was. Uh, called by the Lord, uh, out there trying to gather a church. 
And uh, one of the, in this little small core group of people, one of my, my new friends that had come into the church was the president of the Exchange Club. You know, the Exchange Club is kind of a service-oriented club. I think we have one here, too. He said, Joseph, I'm president of the Exchange Club, and uh, every year we have a pastor come and share with the Exchange Club. I want you to come and share with the Exchange Club. Well, I thought share meant preach. I did not, I was not aware that you weren't supposed to preach at the Exchange Club. You were supposed to like share your ministry like, hi, I'm Joseph, I'm starting a new church, this is what we're about, we'd love for you to come or something like that. So I get up at the Exchange Club, unaware that I'm not supposed to preach, and uh, turn to Matthew 5 and basically preach the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I talked about how the poor in spirit were those of the humble and, and needy and those that recognized their need for God and, and went deep into our need for the gospel. And, uh, and then I flipped it on its head. And I said, basically, what Jesus is saying is, cursed are the proud. For they will never, never, never enter the kingdom of heaven. If you are not humble, if you do not see your spiritual need, if you are not willing to put your trust in Jesus, you will never be saved. It is only by grace. It is only by faith. And only Jesus. And right then, two Jewish members of the exchange club got up in front of everybody and walked out in, in kind of a, a silent but pretty visible protest. It was a really interesting day at the Exchange Club of Tuscaloosa, Alabama that day. Uh, I finished, and my friend got up, the president, and he said, <clears throat> Well, thank you, Joseph. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're done. And, uh, and so I was just, I, I decided, I, I don't think I'm even going to go greet people. So I, I sat kind of behind the, the podium, was just kind of waiting for the, the crowd to filter out, where it was maybe a little safer to go outside. And, uh, and this guy came up to me. I mean, he made a beeline for me, and I thought, oh, no. And he had been raised and lived in Tuscaloosa his whole life. And he said, uh, I live in your neighborhood. I hadn't met you yet. Um, I live on the other side of the neighborhood. And he said, uh, Tuesday nights, you're doing something at your house. I said, yes, I am doing something at my house on Tuesday nights. And I thought, okay, here we go. He said, well, I, I recognize so-and-so's car. That's so-and-so, right? Right. And I recognize so-and-so's car. You know you're in a small town when people say, I recognize so-and-so's car. And so he, I'm confirming. He said, what are, you, what are you doing at your house on Tuesday? I said, well, we're having a Bible study. Having a Bible study. And uh, love, love for you to come. And uh, he, he keeps going by car. It's so-and-so's car. And he said, but, but you know, I, I'm... I'm thinking that, uh, and then he described the car of a particular person who was a, about my age, a young realtor, very unscrupulous, dishonest, one of these people that's just trying to make a lot of money so that they can be okay and enter certain areas of society. I'm sure you don't know anybody like that. Um, horrible person to do business with. He said, now, I, 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 I know that looks like so-and-so's car. It's probably not, though, is it? I said, yeah, it's his car. He was silent. And he leans forward, and I'll never forget the words. He said, I love these words, is he a participant? <laughs> participant. <laughs> I said, yeah, he's a participant. 
And he looks over, he goes, you doing a good job. Because you see, he was raised in Tuscaloosa, and basically if that guy was a part of that church, anybody in that entire town could be a part of that church. That's the issue in our text. Can anybody of any type of person come to Jesus and come into the church? Basically, I want to work off one sentence this morning. When grace is enough, everybody's invited. Let me just say this. It's just a beautiful sentence. When grace is enough, everybody is invited. The, the text begins with this idea of whether grace is enough or whether it's grace plus something that makes you really okay with God. So is grace enough? Verse 1, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, teaching the new believers in, in Antioch of Syria, this church that Paul and Barnabas had gone and had grown and and they were teaching in that church to these Gentile believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, they were teaching it is not simply enough to believe in what Jesus has done. What Jesus on the cross did on the cross is not sufficient. When Jesus said it is finished, it's really not finished. You have to add to it to be truly saved. Basically, they were teaching, you can't become a real Christian unless you become a Jew first. Now, that is not what Paul and Barnabas were teaching in the Gentile world. Paul and Barnabas were teaching a gospel of free grace where Christ's words, it is finished, meant that it was finished, that Jesus has done all the work necessary for salvation by his life that he lived in our place perfectly before God and the death that he died taking the penalty for our sin in our place and Paul basically says all you have to do is believe put your trust in Christ receive this gift receive Christ as Savior and Lord and you will be saved so exciting because Gentiles were coming to know the Lord like crazy. The church at Antioch. And then Paul's first missionary journey. If you're visiting this morning, we kind of just, we're, we're looking at the ministry of Paul and Acts. We just finished with the first missionary journey. And if you'll go back to the last verses of Acts chapter 14, 14, 27, what we find is after all these little churches are established and all these towns in the province of Galatia, and, and, uh, and, and the other provinces nearby, that they go back to their home church, the sending church at Antioch, and we read these words. And when they arrived back at their home church, when they arrived, Acts 14, 27, and gathered the church together, they told them all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And it said, and they stayed a long time there in their home church. So... We kind of have this wonderful testimony of Paul and Barnabas. The gospel has been preached to the Gentiles. They are turning to Christ. They're being forgiven. They're being grafted into the family of God. They're, they're being brought into the love of God. It's so exciting. Churches 
are being established. I mean, fresh home from being nearly stoned to death. Paul was literally stoned with rocks for preaching the gospel in Lystra. He is home from paying this near ultimate price for the gospel only to hear that the gospel's not enough in his home church to hear this. Man, the Apostle Paul went off. Went off. You know, you read the book of Romans and what you see is this kind of, this beautiful elaborate painting, multifaceted painting of the gospel and about how it starts with the Jews and how everybody has a need and how God is meeting the needs in Christ, etc. It's just this incredible, uh, almost dissertation on the gospel. Well, you know, the book of Galatians is a lot like the book of Romans, except for this. The book of Galatians was written during this time. It was written right after Paul's first missionary journey. When it says he stayed for a long time, it was during that long time that he wrote to the Galatians those churches out that had been begun. And do you know what he was addressing in the book of Galatians? The same thing that's happening here. That certain men came down from Jerusalem and said, grace is not enough. And look, Romans is like this incredible dissertation on grace. Galatians is just a scream. It's just a high decibel shout that salvation is through Christ and His work. And His work is a gift. And it is not earned. It is believed by faith and given freely to all who receive. And we read in the book of Galatians, for instance, Galatians 2.16 we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, Galatians 2.16, no one will be saved. No one by works of the law will be justified. Grace is enough. We read in Galatians, one more from Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm on the gospel, on the grace. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You want to go under the law rather than grace? You want to go back to trying to work for it? Then go right ahead, he says. And no one is saved that way. For in Christ Jesus, verse Galatians 5, 6, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working its way out through love. Oh yeah, fresh from being almost stoned to death back in Antioch, certain people from Jerusalem came down and said, you must be circumcised to be a Christian. Paul says, I think not. Grace is enough. You ever had anybody tell you that there's other things you need to do? 
to really be accepted by God. That is not true. Now, once we're accepted by God, there's a whole life of God's will that He has for us. And that's a whole different matter, isn't it? There is no yoke of slavery. It is finished. That's why when you've put your trust in the completed work of Jesus, when you woke up this morning, you woke up under God's smiles this morning. You believe that? You woke up under His acceptance this morning. You woke up as His son or daughter this morning, not by our works, but by the completed, finished work of Jesus and by grace alone. So grace is enough. That's good news this morning because nobody can be saved through our works. But remember our sentence? If, if grace is enough, everybody's invited. Don't you love the fact, and this is so like not 2013 American, the church at Antioch didn't go rogue. I mean, you know, we're like, well, if you don't do it my way, we just go do our own thing. We do this. We don't have to listen to you. We're not under your authority. Who do you think you are? We make our own decisions. We got our own church. We got our No. You know what they did? They had a really intense debate, Paul and Barnabas and the people that came from Jerusalem. And then they said, let's take it to the church. Let's take it to Jerusalem where the apostles are. Now, see, we Presbyterians, we like this kind of thing. We say the general assemblies when we all meet together, this is the first general assembly. This is where where the apostles and the elders, it says, they all met together and they all were trying to clarify about the gospel. Clarify whether you could go direct to the Gentiles with the gospel or whether you had to go through Judaism. Now look, before you get too mad at the Jewish Christians, and yes, you can be a Pharisee and a Christian at the same time. These people were. I have been myself. Um, But you know... Christianity did come out of Judaism, right? Christ is the fulfillment of the Scriptures, right? I mean, look, people that didn't understand Christianity basically saw Christianity in the early days as a sect of Judaism. The Romans saw Christianity as a subset of Judaism. And so, you know, there was just a lot of thoughts about what the church was going to be like, going to look like. That's why it's so great to not just be our own little independent Adam's just bowl of BBs rolling around without any accountability. That's why it was good for them all to come together and and discuss and and figure out what the meaning of free grace was and how it applied to the Gentiles. And so they get to to Jerusalem. And you know what they find out in Jerusalem? This is so great. That everybody in Jerusalem did not believe like this group that came from Jerusalem. You know how one little group will say, well, this is the way it is. And there are a lot of people, no, no, no. They go to Jerusalem, they are immediately accepted by the apostles. They are warmly, we read, they are warmly greeted. They are respected. In Jerusalem, they're not espousing this, you know, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to do this uh, to be a Christian. And so they sit down and they meet. Is grace enough? And can you go, can you bypass Judaism when you bring Christianity to people? That's the question. Who can come? And and how do they come? So they're talking. And these these people, they're identified here in the passage as being of the, the party of the Pharisees. They rise up. 
Not only does it say, do they say you ought to be circumcised, but, but they are to be ordered, the new Christians out in the Roman Empire, ordered to obey all the laws of Moses. I'm talking about going under all the dietary, all the everything. Big moment in our history. Peter stood up. That's big. You know, Peter... He's the spokesman. He's the guy who stood up in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and preached that sermon and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Peter stood up in this, this group of apostles and elders. And you know what Peter told them? It's so great. Peter basically says, y'all, he didn't say y'all, you guys, this is not new. Paul and Barnabas aren't bringing anything new to us. This is what has already been happening. Remember, I'm the person that went up to the Samaritans when the Samaritans... I mean, how yuck is that? Samaritans becoming your brothers and sisters. I went up there. I preached the gospel direct. They became Christians. I was called by God to the the house of a Roman centurion... Gentile, yuck, don't touch Gentiles. Remember all the Jewish washing, keep away regulations? I shared the gospel. I proclaimed to, to Cornelius and he and his entire house came to faith. They were, all, they were all believed and the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, on Cornelius and his family, exactly like he did, he, the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2. Meaning, God has shown us in the ultimate sign that He accepts the Gentiles equally to the Jewish people gathered for the the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You get it? So Peter says, this isn't new. The Spirit of God has already confirmed that the Gentiles are a part of us without circumcision. And the Samaritans, for that matter. Verse 7, brothers, you know that in the early days... God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of God, of the gospel, and believe. And God knows, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? by placing a yoke on the neck of the new believers, of the new disciples, that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. We could not bear up under this law. Why would we put it on these people? But we believe, verse 11 of of Acts 15, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Wow. Wow. That's different. And, and if you are a, a really devout Jewish person who's put your trust in Jesus, and you, you know, come from like 18, 20, 25 descendants before, ancestors before you who are Jewish, this isn't necessarily easy for you. I mean, the yuck factor in this new age of grace is amazing. Yuck! Samaritans! Yuck! Romans! Yuck! 
All these people like Major Minor. All these people who are worshiping Zeus like four weeks ago. I mean, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> and there's no protecting it. There's no putting a fence around God's grace. And I think sometimes we would even want to put a fence around God's grace. We want something kind of safe and antiseptic and hermetically sealed called the church. It is not. The gospel is for everybody. Everybody. Now, we say that. We say, oh yeah, foreign missions. Man, we hope those people all over the world put their trust in Jesus. But we don't necessarily would want those people in our church here. If grace is enough, then everybody, all kinds of people, are invited. Now, there were three speeches that day. Some theologians have called it the, the, the whole thing, the Magna Carta of the church, where it was decided once and for all. It's called the Jerusalem Council, this big meeting of the apostles. Once and for all that grace is enough. And three speeches. And basically, I won't read all the speeches, but basically Peter, Paul and Barnabas, and James gave three different speeches. And Peter basically said, as I told you, look, all this has already been happening, and God gave them the Holy Spirit. End of story. They're in. Get over it. <laughs> Let's don't put a yoke on them. Second speech, Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas get up, and they add to the speech of Peter, and they say, and what is more, God has confirmed his gospel among them and his power in the church by doing signs and wonders among the Gentiles. And it says that the assembly, the group of people in Jerusalem, fell silent. And God spoke in that silence too, didn't he? And they went, oh, the Holy Spirit. The same things. Miracles in the name of Jesus happening among the Gentiles. And then James stood up. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. This is James who didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. But once he believed, man, all that training in the Old Testament and all that piety, just uh, the, wire, the hard wiring, like, like a lot of you, the hard wiring is there for, through your Sunday school years. You just had to have that moment when God just brought you to life and the current of God's working and His grace and the gospel just brought it. Where you believed. You could have been four years old when that happened. You could have been, like me, 19 years old. You could have been 40 years old. I was talking to somebody the other night, and they were 40 years old when they came to know the Lord. And that's one of our elders named Hap Farber, in case you don't know him. 40 years old. Well, let me tell you, James, the brother of Jesus, didn't believe in his own brother until after the resurrection. And that hard wiring was there, and the current of God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit all came to bear and James became this amazing leader in the church. Amazing leader in the church. They called him James the Just. James the Just because he not only loved the Lord but he knew the Scriptures really well and he had this leadership ability and this ability to apply the Scriptures to situations. He was the one who took over from Peter himself in the church of Jerusalem. That's pretty big. And so Peter gets the first speech. The Holy Spirit came down on him. Paul and Barnabas give the second speech. Yeah, and signs and wonders were done among them. 
And James, the brother of Jesus, stood up and basically said this, as good leaders often do, let me sum up. <laughs> That's all he did. He said, let me sum up. It was happening already. It is happening in the Gentile world right now. And we should not trouble the Gentiles with these regulations and traditions. So let us write a letter to our brothers and let them know that they are our brothers, whether they are in Antioch or out in Asia Minor or wherever they are. And it's only through Christ. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to do all this other stuff. Would you like to hear the letter? Let me read just a little short letter. Hugs and kisses the apostles. <laughs> Verse 23 of Acts 15 is the letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers. That's very significant. Brothers to brothers. Do you get that? Jewish brothers to Gentile brothers. Let me start over. This is like the, you know, the to the dear so-and-so line of the letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch of Syria and in Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and have troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions to do so. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to a, a decision, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of their own mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that? That, that? What they're saying is, you know, this is God's truth. This, through leadership, is the Spirit's work. This is the mind of Christ. By the way, the elders meet tonight. Every time we ask, Lord, would you give us your mind? Would you give us by the Holy Spirit, would you allow us to have the mind of Christ as we meet here together tonight on behalf of the church? For it seemed good to, verse 28, to the Holy Spirit and to us, listen to these words, to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Now what you're about to hear are not things that are added to the gospel. What you're about to hear is this. It is by grace and grace alone. But could we just ask you a little favor? When you're with Jewish people, could you be considerate? <laughs> That's all it is. That's that principle of the weaker brother that Paul goes into. That's that principle of harmony between people who have various levels of conscience issues. So let, knowing that now, let me, let me read to this. We therefore... Um, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, that means kosher. When you're with Jewish believers, please don't eat whatever. 
pork sausage. I don't know. Um, that's not drained. Um, and from what has been, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you will keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So, verse 30, when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when the Gentile believers read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. We've got brothers in Jerusalem who are Jewish. You know, the reason you can go direct with anybody with the gospel is you don't need anything else but the gospel for someone to be saved. I want you to see how exciting this is. Anybody, all types of people can be saved. Proof, if you put your trust in Jesus, the proof is you are. Yeah, you, I'm talking about you Gentiles living in a far-off place from Jerusalem and from Antioch, Lord knows what your lineage is, probably goes back to some group of barbarians in Europe who were druids and pagan tree worshipers. Some of you are French, you're Visgoths and gods, and some of you are from the Celts or the Picts or the you know, kind of the British people and others, you are from that wonderful group. We love their name, the Vandals. Yeah, Vandals like you have know Jesus. Because the gospel of free grace came to you. You were invited and nobody added anything to just believing in Jesus and getting everything from God. But I want you to imagine what kinds of people will come to Christ right here. In Madison, Ridgeland, the greater Jackson area, just by going direct with the gospel. That's why I told that story in the beginning. Is that so-and-so's car? Yes, it is! (laughs) Even that guy is invited. Even that guy sins are paid for by Jesus Christ. People need Christ. You and I don't sometimes have spiritual eyes to see that everywhere around us, I mean all around us in our neighborhoods, at work, in our school, wherever it is, all around us, people are hungering for God without even knowing it. They, are, they have that God-shaped hole in their heart that only God can fill. Made by God in His image. Made to be restored by God's own Son. And they don't know it. They just know that they hunger. They just know and they are stuffing that with everything that they can find. And they are smiling and raising their glass and trying to live the American dream with the rest of us. But they are dying inside. And sometimes, as they say, out in the suburbs, there are lives of quiet desperation. And they need the love of God. They need Jesus. Not because they're any worse than anybody, but because we need Christ. They need forgiveness. They need the love and joy of being reconnected, reconciled to our God. 
You know, there are several people here today in church that came to know the Lord right here. One of the great things about being a pastor is I'm often the one that they tell and say, you know what, when I came here, you need to know I did not know what it really meant to be a believer. I know what the cross really was about, but I do now, and it's so wonderful. And there are folks who are here this very day, and there are elders in this church, as I mentioned, Hap Farber and others. A lot of these people were drawn in by just the love of people, and they heard the gospel. A lot of them, some of them actually came to know the Lord sitting like in the same worship service you were sitting in. Just with the simplicity of grace alone did they put their trust in Jesus. And it is so exciting. Folks, if grace is enough, everybody's invited. Do you believe that? So, last words. Go direct. (laughs) You don't even have to bring them to church before you tell. Show and tell the gospel. Go out to the intersections of life where you live, where God's put you with people, at the intersections of culture with what you do, how you bring value to culture by acting out on your Christian life. Go direct. Get to know people. Hear their hearts. Meet the need, not just with your love, but with the gospel, with God's love. And you will be amazed who comes to him and enjoys their forgiveness and their love in him and who will be sitting here with us a year from now as brothers and sisters by grace alone. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see how breathtaking it is that you've done it all. There's nothing we can add to it. And that as the good news, the gospel is proclaimed, we know in our hearts, because the law is written on our hearts, when you begin to flip the switch, when you begin to awaken us, we know that we cannot make it with you a holy God. We know that we are selfish. We know that we fall short of your glory. But Lord, you not only flip the switch in our knowledge of your, your glory and your holiness and our own sin and inability, but you, you open up that view to the beauty and wonder of Christ and his finished work. If you've never put your trust in Christ and you just, in your heart, you say, I see it, I want it, I want him. You pray with me, Lord, I want to turn away from everything I've called Christianity, everything I've called religion. And I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done and what is complete and is a sheer gift just through believing. And Lord, we pray that for many of us who've walked with you for some time, we forget that it is by grace. Sometimes we feel that because we've done some things that we shouldn't have done or that we have not done other things that somehow you might not love us anymore. Would you just cut through that? heretical thinking and take us back to the fact that you love us because of Christ's work? Would you take us out of uh, feeling like we are a daylight and a dollar short with you and bring us right back in the arms of you, the Father, and the embrace that was brokered 
through you, Jesus the Son, Lord, that we might melt in your arms again, that we might rest in the grace that is free and forever. And then finally, Lord, would you give us the confidence that just knowing, loving, and speaking, and, and living in front of people, even it's, and when it's, we're apologizing, and the whole range of life, Lord, would you just open up people and their need to us, so that we might show and tell the gospel. And would you just bring many, many people to yourself. Thank you that grace is enough. And we were invited. Help us to invite others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.